0: Love, talk,
1: radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman. And today we are previewing the Big Ten West. We're getting into the Big Ten after going through all the other conferences in the FBS. Uh, we'll go over the Western teams, look at each team in depth. Indiana has three crossovers. Uh, with the West this year, as always, they play uh, Purdue in the Bucky game in the last se- game of the season. That is the only protected rivalry game in the Big Ten, and they draw each other as an as an interdivisional matchup every year. IU will also host Iowa on October 13th for homecoming, that game kicks off at noon and will be on one of the following channels, ABC ESPN or ESPN two. And then they travel to Minnesota, October 29th on a Friday night. Um, sorry, October 26th on a Friday night uh, on Fox, the first Friday night game uh, for the Hoosiers in conference uh, since that was announced. So uh Three inter, interdivisional uh, matchups this year. Uh, TJ, welcome back to the show. We are 33 days away from kickoff, and how are you feeling?
0: Yeah, I'm great. Uh, definitely excited to uh, begin previewing the Big Ten. I know we had a lot of fun doing national preview stuff, but uh, you know this is our roundhouse, our wheelhouse, if you will, and uh, we are. Um, I know, definitely ready to get this thing rolling and uh, preview some Big Ten teams and some IU opponents for sure.
1: Yeah, let's, let's kick things off right away um, with our uh, divisional picks, uh, and then we'll get into every team. Uh, since the division pick, it, it, it's probably obvious. I'm going with Wisconsin. They're the best team in the West. Yeah. They have been the best team in the West. For the past few years, they bring back Jonathan Taylor, who had an outstanding freshman year. He should be in the Heisman, uh, Heisman talk. Alex Horningbrook is back at quarterback. That defense is always good. Uh, they always have a good offensive line. Their wide receivers are pretty good. They get Quintez Cephas back uh, from injury. They do have to replace a tight end or two, uh, but they're by far um, my pick uh, to win the West.
0: Definitely in agreement there. I mean, uh, and part of that is number one, I think Wisconsin is going to be really good. I mean, um, you know, you mentioned their offensive line is always good. Uh, It went through, you know, a a year or two where it was, it was decent, but it wasn't dominant. Uh, The dominance in that offensive line is back and they return everyone from that unit. They had a few guys that could have gone to the NFL uh, and would have been selected within the first few rounds. All those guys opted to come back, and that offense is going to be nasty. Uh, Taylor's a really good running back that is made to look even better with that offensive line and with that system in place. Their receivers are probably as good as they've had in Madison. Uh, and then, you know, it's really going to be down to can Hornerbrook effectively uh, make a few big plays per game Uh, particularly when they're going against an evenly matched opponent. I think he can, and I think they're in line for a really good season. Uh, So they're the obvious pick. Really, it gets interesting after that, because I think you can make a legitimate argument uh, for second place for probably three or four teams uh, that that probably feel like they have as good a shot as anyone at getting second in that uh, division. Yeah, it's gonna be. I thought Wisconsin, the rest of the division.
1: I it's gonna be a heck of a race, and I, I think if, if yeah. there is anybody who has a say on the race uh, for number one, it could be Purdue. Um, and, and that's not saying that Purdue is gonna win the division uh, or anything, but they do host. Um, they do host Wisconsin. They do host Iowa, and they host. Um, Northwestern to open the season. So I think, you know, Purdue will have a say on who's in that battle. You know, if somebody drops one of those games at Purdue or Purdue knocks off a couple of those teams, that just opens the door a lot more for Wisconsin to run away with this thing. Uh, And it might open the door for Purdue to sneak up uh, higher in that division. So TJ, let's start with the teams that IU is going to are going to face in 2018, let's start with the Iowa Hawkeyes. They come in on October, 27th, on, on October 13th. It is Indiana's homecoming game. Uh, it, it's a game that I think if if Indiana is going to knock off one of these names, and, and I'm counting Iowa as a name because they've been they've been really good for you know very solid for very long. Uh, i I think this is the one that IU fans could circle is is they'll have it have a very good shot at it. Uh, they'll have a good crowd for homecoming hopefully. Uh, Wisconsin uh, is replacing all three linebackers. They're replacing uh, almost their entire secondary uh, they uh, there's been a lot of attrition from the uh, from Iowa there's been some off the field issues recently as well. Uh, they lose some offensive linemen. Although that offensive line wasn't great last year, they do lose some very, very talented offensive linemen uh, that have gone on to the next level. They lose Akram Wadley, who is a good running back uh, over the last couple of years, ran for 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns last year and was really their spark plug. Uh, but they do, they do bring Brad back quarterback Nathan Stanley, and arguably the best tight end in the country, and Noah Uh, and they have a couple weapons uh, at wide receiver with Nick Easley and Amir Smith uh, Marset. So, to me, Iowa is one of these. It's one of these years you don't really know what they're going to be, uh, and you probably circle them for seven and five or eight and four, uh, just a typical Iowa year. Solid, not great. Not bad, but just a solid team. Uh, could they could they go worse than that? Sure. I, I think with all the, the talent they have to replace, uh, it, it's possible. But it could also be one of those years that Iowa uh, jumps up as well. Nate Stanley uh, is back at quarterback. He had a really good year last year, 2,400 yards, 26 touchdowns, six interceptions. They might have to reverse engineer their, their offense a little bit but it's just a really solid team that should be okay. They're special teams that they need to get their punting game figured out. Their punters were terrible last year. Um, But other than that, you know, they're just a solid team. That, But I think IU has a shot at
0: them at home
1: uh, on homecoming.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting. Kirk Ferentz. Uh, entering now his twentieth season in Iowa City, that's that's really impressive. Uh, and I, I know that occasionally uh, you'll get Iowa fans that you know are kind of frustrated with uh, with parents and with maybe how conservative the program uh, is on offense. You know, I I understand that, but I, I think for the most part, I feel like they they understand that you know th- this is who we are and this is you know, this is good for us. This is good enough. Uh I know that there's the aspiration to uh, always take another step forward and I, I, I get that, but um you know, I I, I think that they've settled in to a, a pretty nice nice area of being a top fifty program. Uh last year they were 49th in S and P plus. Uh they won their eighth game in the Pink Stripe bowl. Uh I I think that they're you know, the definition of kind of pretty good, uh, if you will. They're occasionally very good, occasionally just average. Overall, they're pretty good. Uh, This year, it's going to be a test to can you replace your stars? You know, uh, quarterback Josh Jackson, linebacker Josie Jewell, both gone. I mean, Josie Jewell was a tremendous football player. I really had a lot of fun watching him the past few years. Uh, He leaves behind a a huge hole at linebacker. Uh, and there are other two starting linebackers left as well. And then James Daniels uh, was their best offensive lineman. He's gone. He's in the NFL. Uh, and you mentioned Akron Wadley. So it's a question of how well and how quickly can you replace those uh, those stars. One thing that is going to help them is they do have a, a, a pretty good culture. there. pretty good, obviously, very consistent. Um, I'll be interested to see if they're willing to open up that offense a little bit Uh, Noah Fant, and then T.J. Hawkinson is a very good second tight end as well. Um, Nick Easley, uh, he's okay. He's a slot receiver. Uh, Smith-Marset needs to show more on the outside. The guy that they really need to step up is Brandon Smith, uh, wide receiver. They need some big plays out of their offense. That's something they've not gotten enough of. But really, it's going to be down to uh, that tight end duo of Hawkinson and Fant they're going to have to be, you know, the best tight end duo in the country if I's offense is going to uh, be successful. Um, otherwise I think that they'll just be okay. And I don't think that this defense is going to be able to hold up against that. The line is the best part of it, but the linebackers have to replace everybody. Uh, and the secondary has to replace a couple of guys, including Josh Jackson. Um, you know, I, I, I don't really think all that highly of this team, but that being said, their schedule, uh, they were dealt a pretty nice one this year. They avoid Michigan, they avoid Ohio State, they avoid Michigan State. Uh, the only one of the big three that they play is Penn State. Um, so, you know, and they're, they're, a lot of their tougher conference games uh, are at home. Uh, Indiana, they have to go to Indiana, they have to go to Purdue, and they have to go to Minnesota. Uh, but there's, you know, there's a lot to like about that schedule. You're not going to get an easy one of the big ten. Uh, But as far as Big Ten schedules go, I think I'd take Iowa's and and run with it. Um, And obviously, Ferentz is a pretty good coach at uh, winning close games. So probably eight wins is the ceiling for this Iowa team. Uh, That might be enough to get you second in the West. Uh, But to be honest, I don't think anyone outside of Wisconsin gets out of the Big Ten West with less than four losses. So I think five and four probably gets you second place and then the tiebreakers could end up being a mess, of course, but uh, in short, I don't think this Iowa team is going to be very good. I think that they will be uh, um, just about equal to last year's 49th. Uh, I don't think they get any better than that, and I do think Indiana's got a a nice shot to knock them out. Of course, uh, that's a lot's going to depend on who's healthy for that game and, you know, how are both teams playing when they come into it, who executes on that day, but uh, this is not going to be an Iowa Hawkeyes squad that challenges for uh, anything above eight wins, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and they have a tough non-conference schedule, too, with Northern Illinois coming yeah. in for the opener. Uh, they've lost to them before. Iowa State is pretty good. They come in after that, and then Northern Iowa has had their shot at Iowa in the past um, you know, as a, as an FCS team coming in, uh, one more note on Iowa. Ferentz has been there twenty years, and kind of the program that Indiana wants to be. Uh, you know, a, sure. a solid bowl team every year. Maybe an outlier year where you have four wins, an outlier year where you have you know 10, eleven wins and surprise some people. But the, the amount of patience that Iowa has put in with Ferrance has really paid off for them. I remember going to the game. Uh, in Iowa City, when IU beat them in 2007, it just blew the doors off of Iowa. Uh, and, and listening to the post-game show and post-game call-in show after the game, and fans wanted to get rid of Ferrans. We, we we had beaten them. IU has beaten them uh, two years in a row, and and they were just ready to to get rid of them. That was 11 years ago, uh, and you know there was that four and twelve, uh, four and eight year in 2012. Yeah. where fans thought that 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 was going to be it, but their their patience has paid off. They they've renovated that stadium. They're they're bringing in money still. He has a great kind. He's a solid coach. He's not afraid to open it up a little bit. We've seen it in the past where he's opened it up um, a little bit, and fan the fans appreciated that. Uh, but it's it's that program model that Indiana wants to. To copy, but anyway, enough on Iowa. We're gonna to move to to we're gonna row the boat over to Minnesota. And PJ Fleck, Indiana <laughs> plays at Minnesota on October 26th. It's Friday night football in the Big Ten. Uh, I don't care how anybody feels about it. Um, really, I, I know it's high school football night. Uh, but this is a, a night where Indiana is going to be in the spotlight. It's going to be a Fox Sports or FS1 game uh, at I believe 7:30 or 8 o'clock, a prime time. All eyes on IU. It's a winnable game, uh, and I just think the exposure for for the IU program uh, is too good not to pass up. Now I understand why they pass up. Maybe have passed up some of these Friday night games at home, uh, with, with Friday night football in Indiana and all those things. But playing on a Friday night, um, the only thing I wish they would do differently is that you could come to play on a Friday night after uh, a bye week. Uh, that extra day, the the day I asked yeah. Wes Martin about this at Media Day, it, it doesn't seem really to play a big role, but it is it is late later in the season. Guys are banged up a little bit, and, and maybe that extra day of rest helps uh, and, and does stuff for player safety. But about Minnesota, um, I think they're going to finish at the bottom, uh, near the bottom of the division in the West. Uh, their quarterback situation is a mess. Uh, it, it looks like Tanner Morgan, a red shirt freshman, um, he has good size at 6'2, 205. He's a nice recruit. Uh, coming in, but they have no experience. Are guaranteed unless they pull off some miracle was- roster roster wise. They're guaranteed to start a freshman and quarterback. Um, I-, I believe they're running. Shannon Brooks is out for the year, and he was there. Um, he he was a very good running back. They do bring back Rodney Smith, uh, who ran for 977 yards last year. Their offense it- isn't great. Uh, it's young and they do bring back their top three receivers uh, from last year, but none of them came in over uh, 700 yards and it's just going to be a struggle for them offensively, especially with the young quarterback. This is a team that as an IU fan, you kind of wish you're playing them in the opener uh, because they will be so inexperienced. And as the season goes along, they're just going to get, they're probably going to get better unless they just get the snot knocked out of them and, and are out of it by, by late October. But, you know, th- this defense is a top 50 defense. It's a very, very good defense with a strong linebacking core. Uh, they got some, some guys in the secondary could play as well in Antoine Winfield. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what they do. They they have a chance to maybe go back to a bowl. They play New Mexico state, uh, to open it up, then they get Fresno State, who we picked. This is one of the games that we picked on a previous podcast to watch as a as a Group of Five Power Five upset. They they also play Miami of Ohio. Their crossovers are not not the worst, not the friendliest. They have to go to Ohio State and to Maryland. It seems like Minnesota and Maryland have played a lot. I think this is the third year or fourth year they played in a row. Uh, which considering the, the the crossovers, it seems like a lot, and then they play Indiana, of course. It, it's just the team that, that's young, has a chance to maybe go to a bowl, but doesn't quite have the talent to probably get out of that bottom two or three spots uh, in the West.
0: I would agree with that. I, I actually I think that they are probably – uh ahead of only Illinois, uh, in my opinion, heading into the season. Um that could be incorrect, but you know, we'll uh, that's what I'm gonna go with. Um, I, think that. I, I think uh I mean you you really have an interesting offense strictly because uh your quarterback position is a complete unknown. Uh they only have one proven playmaker that as far as patch has. Pass catchers go, and that's Tyler Johnson, who really is quite good, uh, but no one besides him had more than 11 receptions uh, that's back. Um, you know, tight end is uh, you would think Minnesota would have pretty good tight end, uh, have no clue, really. I mean, they've got uh, a sophomore that has barely played much, and then a, a freshman that they hope is going to be. I mean, the, the best part of the offense is probably the offensive line. Uh, they've got an absolute monster of a true freshman in there, Daniel Falele. Uh, he's 6'9", 400 pounds, which is uh, quite hard to believe. Uh, there was a story done on him uh, at some point last uh, last season about, um, you know, Kai with very limited football experience. I think he was at IMG Academy, um, and he ended up going to Minnesota uh, with, uh, with Curtis Dunlap as well. Both of them are true freshmen that – might get in the lineup, but again, they're pretty raw, uh, but the offensive line, you know, it's going to be a really big group, uh, that, that they need to be very good, um, because, you know, the running backs, you're left with, after having a really three-headed monster, you're left with only, uh, Rodney Smith and, and a lot of inexperience and, uh, unproven potential talent behind him, so, uh, not a ton to work with, uh, particularly if quarterback situation is not good. I think the defensive line will be okay. Uh, I like their linebacker, uh, Barber. He's really good, an all-Big Ten potential player there. And they get Antoine Winfield back from injury. He's a really good safety. So it feels like they've got a couple of really good playmakers on defense, and that's probably going to be a top 50 unit, uh, really should be a top 50 unit. But the offense, I could see cratering uh, and having a hard time putting up much uh, much in the way of offense. Uh, it's, that's one of those road games that Indiana, uh, you never expect necessarily uh, for IU football to go on the road and get a victory. You, you very rarely expect that. Uh, but this would be the road game where you would look at it and say, you know, that's one we can really go get. Uh, and honestly probably should go get, just looking at the two teams on paper as we enter the season.
1: Yeah, that's one of those games, you know, it's one of these swing games that you could win on the road, Yeah. and it would, could take Indiana from six wins to seven wins or five wins to six True. wins uh, and, and things like that. It, it's These are the games that you have to have on the road to to really you know, take the next step as a program.
0: One question uh, for you on Minnesota, cause it's one that I was thinking of when I was uh, writing up a, a preview article for them for, uh, for a website that I write for called Saturday Edge, um, more of a betting slant there. Uh, I was thinking about this. You know, you look at the uh, investments and the improvements that some of the Big Ten West schools are making and some of the coaching hires that have been made. Uh, you know, P.J. Fleck was certainly seen as a time-splashy hire, Uh, and and now you look at it after a season in, um, I I can't help but feel a little overwhelmed. Uh, Five and seven in the first year, it's hard to imagine uh, this year being any better than five and seven. I think that would probably be, you know, uh, if he did get better than five and seven, that would be quite an accomplishment. Uh, recruiting is going fairly well, but, you know, you do have a, a little bit of a ceiling with what you can get at Minnesota uh, at this point in his tenure. So I, I'm not, PJ, like a bust uh, or a Minnesota doomed at this point. But, um, you know, I think it's fair to say that uh, maybe a little bit of a concern about um, how high they can get in the West. I think you'd certainly put their future right now well below Wisconsin, uh, well below Nebraska uh, as well. So what are your thoughts on kind of um, the trajectory that the Minnesota be on and how long before uh, Minnesota fans start to expect a little bit better results? I think they
1: should expect better results as soon as possible. I mean, they're coming off since 2013. They're coming off of two eight-win seasons, a six-win season, yeah. um, a, a nine and nine, and a nine and four season. And then last year they were five and seven and just ended ugly. Um, outside of a, a win, it's a terrible Nebraska team. They lost at Iowa, they lost at Michigan, and the last two games of the year they got shut out. Uh, combined. 70 to nothing against Northwestern and Minnesota and Wisconsin. Now, those are two teams that you're not going to beat, and they're very hot at the time. But to, to get outside of that Nebraska win, from um, I wish they had the dates in here, but basically from the Illinois win on, they had scored 20, 20 points outside of Nebraska in four games. So they're averaging five points a game in those losses. Um, they scored 54 against Nebraska it's just it's I, I think that with their past success they should expect to uh, s- suspect some type of success and if they don't have it this year you really have to I mean you're going to give P.J. Fleck time he, he was one of these headline hires that they did pretty well in um, but you, you know going into year three three next year, if you don't get to five or six wins uh, this year, your, your seat's going to be hot. Uh, but it's also, you know, if P.J. Fleck wins eight or nine games this year, does he bolt for somewhere else? And that's always the danger of, of Minnesota, where can you sustain the success that they've had? And winning eight games, eight games, six games, and nine games, that's pretty pretty good, solid success. Um and if all the stuff would if kill doesn't get sick if they didn't have the sexual abuse stuff uh, as well and, and Tracy clay's doesn't get fired you know who knows where they were would be last year but it, it Minnesota' is just one of these programs that yeah that they, they were historically good uh, and then you know maybe their expectations got too high uh a little bit too high and and they, they got rid of some coaches who probably deserve to still be there or or have had a little bit longer. Um, It's kind of the danger of not having patience with people. It's the opposite of Iowa where they gave Ferentz now 20 years and he's built that into a solid, solid program. Uh, Minnesota is the opposite. There's no consistency in coaching uh, and, and you could see the mixed mixed bag results uh, from going from nine wins to five wins, and, and it's something that IU fans should keep an eye on because you got to have some patience with the current IU staff as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think Minnesota, you should realistically, uh, it's not year zero anymore. Last year was year zero. Black was a late hire. Uh, they kind of, I think, lucked out with him uh, a little bit. If they didn't, if they didn't change their coaching staff over so late, uh, they probably wouldn't have gotten him. And they were not, unless the sexual abuse stuff came out, uh, they were not getting rid of Tracy Clay's off of a nine, off of a nine-win season and a bowl win right. uh, against Washington State in a game that they were ten-point underdogs. So, you know, they kind of lucked into PJ Fleck. They should have some patience with him, but he's also a type of personality that, you know, your expectations skyrocket and he could rub people the wrong way. And it's like, okay, when is enough enough? You can only row the boat so much before people just say, screw this. Uh, you know, I'm not into your, your, um, whatever pomp and circumstance.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, all right. Yeah. Stick. That's a good word. Um, their shtick. So, let's uh, let's move on to Purdue. Uh, I I mentioned Purdue earlier uh, as one of the team. I think they have a say. They're not. I they take. I think they take a step back from last year. It's not necessarily they're they're not going to go to a bowl or anything like that. I think the talent wise, they take a step back. Their defense is not going to be as good. They lose a lot of big pieces up front and stuff like that. But I think they have a say in the division. They get Wisconsin at home, Iowa at home, um, and Northwestern at home to open the season. Yeah, you you go to Nebraska, who's rebuilding, uh, and, and you could win that one. Illinois is terrible. You're playing them on the road, and you play at Minnesota. Cool. Their non-conference schedule drives me crazy. If I if I was a Purdue fan, it would drive me nuts. You're playing. Yep. You're playing a tough Eastern Michigan game, which is fine. That's the max school you've got to play. But you're playing Missouri, who Drew Locke is, is, has been talked about being the number one pick uh, coming out in uh, in the NFL draft next year. He led the SEC in passing last year. And yeah, Purdue beat Missouri um, 35-3 last year, but that's before Missouri really got the ball rolling uh, and recovered and got to a ball game. Uh, And then you play Boston college who who is coming up a really solid year. They have AJ Dillon back at running back. And that's, it's, you know, as a team, as a program trying to build and IU and Purdue are kind of in the same boat, uh, you got to schedule wins. And and I've gotten into a lot of arguments with people on social media that they want to see IU and maybe Purdue fans are the same way, but I I haven't reached out to them that they want to see better games. Well, the biggest complaint about going to games is that they don't win. So, you, you know, if you can't, you know, that if in the Big Ten East, you could pencil all those in as four losses. So you got to schedule that way. I think Purdue's the same way. Um, their crossover games are Michigan State and Ohio State and uh, in Indiana. So, you know, they get a bad draw out of the East. Do yourself a favor and schedule somebody easier than Missouri and Boston College. Uh, sure, you know maybe if Brahms there for four or five years and really gets that ball rolling, then you could, um, then you could do, you know, then you could schedule these teams and, and start some local rivalries and all that stuff, uh, and, and maybe get, you know, the Notre Dame game back down the road, uh, play somebody like Kentucky or or who who knows. But uh, to me, uh, Purdue will have a say in the West. They bring back two quarterbacks who I think are very very talented Elijah Sindelar and David Blau uh, Brom bumped them both to media day so which leads me to say that he's going to play them both they he did it last year until Blau got hurt although they were probably better that second half of the year after they settled on Sindelar but both of them missed the spring uh, they should be healthy ready to go uh, they're tough as nails kids uh, Blau gives them a little bit more of a, of a rushing threat, which they they probably do need, but they but maybe not. They do return all their top rushers except for uh, Brian Langford Johnson. It's just that they're going to be a tough team um, this year, and maybe I'm a little bit high on Purdue. Jackson Anthrop killed IU in the in the bucket game. Tario, that running game got going. You could see how tough Purdue was going to be um, at that bucket game when they got the run game going. I and, and their defense played pretty well, uh, stuffing IU's run. But on defense, they lose Jawan Bentley and TJ McCollum, and then they lose I think everybody up front except for Lorenzo Neal Jr. Uh, and that was the strength of their defense, with the ability for that defensive line to push back the offensive line, get in the defensive in the offensive backfield, disrupt plays, get tackles for losses, havoc plays, and all that stuff. And that's going to be gone. But uh, to me, the West is is more conducive for a team to to overcome some losses. And I think Purdue might not sweep all of those games at home, but they're going to get they're they're going to knock somebody off they're going to get Northwestern or they're going to get Iowa and they might put a scare into Wisconsin Um, and they'll have a play into who comes in second in that division. And and if, if the dice uh, fall the right way, they could have a say into who plays in Indianapolis in, uh, in December.
0: Yeah, I, uh, we will disagree on this one. I, you are, higher on the boilers than i am which is perfectly fine uh i i could end up being very wrong about them um i i think brahm is a very good coach uh i think their quarterbacks are good i think their running backs are fine uh the offensive line i think is okay i think it's a pretty good line particularly the left side of it um I, I do think that their wide receivers leave a lot to be desired, particularly on the outside. Anthrop is very good on the inside. Uh, Isaac Zico and Terry Wright, uh, I think Rondell Moore, and probably Jared Sparks are going to be guys that step up into larger roles as the season goes on. But uh, at least on paper, I, I think that wide receiver position is a big-time question mark. Uh, and then the defense, I just expect to take a large step back. Uh, and that one – if I'm incorrect about that, then, yeah, Purdue is going to be quite a bit better than I think they are. But um, I just do not see them being able to replace Jawan Bentley, uh, Dewan Hunt, both guys that uh, were huge parts of their defense. Uh, I think linebackers is going to be a big weakness for them. Uh, and I think their defensive line will have the potential to get pushed around quite a bit. I don't see much depth up front, and I really don't see uh, a whole lot of proven talent Uh, or production on that defensive line, and and that's a big problem in the Big Ten. Uh, I think it's something that uh, teams could really take advantage of for the Boilers and control the pace, control the tempo, uh, and keep what could be a pretty explosive offense off the field by just bullying their defensive line. I'm with you on that schedule. As a neutral, uh, it's very entertaining for us to be able to sit back and watch them play against Missouri and against Boston College. I think those are two great games. But if I'm a Purdue fan, uh, I, I'm not particularly thrilled about that. So, uh, you know, I, I look at them as a team that uh, is probably going to win about six games. Um, I do not see them um, – I mean, that, that opening night game against Northwestern is really big for both teams. Yeah, and that division gonna the division is going to be top. so tightly contested. Yeah, the, the division is going to be so tightly contested from two through six uh, that's gonna be gonna be one of those swing games that uh, Purdue's fortunate enough to have at home. But you know Northwestern, uh, we'll talk about them here in a second. Um, they're certainly not going to be a team that you can waltz over. Uh, and that whoever wins that game, has got to be feeling pretty good about themselves. It's more important for Purdue because it's a home game uh, on you know on opening night. It, it, you cannot afford to lose your swing games that are at home.
1: Yeah, and Purdue's going to play eleven Power Five teams, which is just it's just silly. That that open that home opener is going to set the tone. If Purdue goes out and gets beat pretty badly, you're looking at a September where they 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 might go one and four, um, in those five games. They have Northwestern, Eastern Michigan, Missouri, Boston College, and at Nebraska. Um, I I think if you get out of there three and two, uh, or even two and three, you could be happy as a as a Purdue fan, you got Illinois after bye week. That should be a win uh for the Boilers. But it it's you'll know where Purdue stands after September. And I think starting with that that intra division, uh, it's it's a sneaky big game. And and I'm kind of excited to watch it. The atmosphere up there should be fantastic. Um and that that'll kick off that that'll show you is it's Purdue you know is Purdue for real? Uh, coming off of that game, yeah. if, they, if they win, I, I think that uh, you know I, I, maybe I, I'm my prediction is more right. If they lose, TJ, I'm right on board with you. Around six wins, uh, maybe the bucket yeah. game comes down to uh, you know both a, a bowl, uh, you know have bowl implications for both teams, but that I think so. It all rests on that, you know, if they if they beat Northwestern. The world's their oyster, and they could go from there um, and and all that. So speaking of Northwestern, let's get to uh, let's get to Evanston, where they've built a new, uh, brand new, gorgeous facility on the lake. Um, it's been talked about a lot. They're another team that I don't really get their non-conference schedules. They're playing uh, they're playing Notre Dame. They're playing Duke and they're playing Akron in the non-conference schedules. Now, I get Duke and Notre Dame. They're like schools. That's their scheduling philosophy. Um, They've actually done really well doing this. They've won 10 games, two of the last three years. They've won the bowl games three years in a row. Uh, It's really – it's become a real solid program. And and Pat Fitzgerald, believe it or not, has been there for 13 years. And I thought I was shocked that Kurt barron being there for 20 Pat Fitzgerald's been at you Northwestern know, for 13 years. Amazing what he's done, and he's he's going to be there for life. If he's there for 13 years, he's going to be there his entire coaching career. I, I think there are some people's pick for second in the West. Uh, a lot of it's going to depend on whether or not Clayton Thorson comes back healthy. He should be ready to go by the opener, according to what was said at um, media day. The timeline—it's been eight months. The timeline—he should—it's give or take a week or two. He should be—he could be ready to go for Purdue, if not Duke. Uh, But if they—if they have Clayton Thorson and and can go into Purdue full strength, that really will give them a uh, um, a leg up in the West, especially uh, early on in the season. They get an early bye week. So maybe if if Thorson's 95%, maybe not 100%, it it really could get them healthy uh, before going on. Their crossover games aren't great. Uh, They get Michigan at home at Michigan State and then at Rutgers. Uh, It could be worse, but you're drawing two out of the four big guys out of the East uh, and, and Rutgers, but you have to travel to Rutgers. You're also playing Wisconsin at home, Notre Dame at home. It's a really tough schedule. Uh, for Northwestern. Yeah. Duke, Duke blew their doors off last year uh, early in the season, 41-17, but Northwestern was probably the hottest team in college football down the stretch uh, winning, I think, eight in a row, seven in a row before ending that season eight, yeah. um, You know, with 10 wins, with the win in the Music City Bowl over Kentucky. Uh, they do lose. One of our favorite players to watch, Justin Jackson, at running back, that Jeremy Larkin is gonna—he's a sophomore. He's gonna be uh, coming back. Flynn Nagel, who I think was the super back, is is back. Um, uh, Jalen Brown's a senior. He's gonna be a wide receiver. Benek Skoranek, who's a very very good player, he's back as a junior. They just seem to find these guys to take a year or two to develop. into really good players like Austin Carr. Uh, and, you know, Bennett Skronik is kind of an Austin Carr type guy. Their offensive line is a, is a senior-laden offensive line. Uh, and then defensively, uh, while they lose Anthony Walker uh, and Godwin I- I- uh they do bring back Patty Fisher. Uh, Nate Hall comes back after being second on the team. Uh, Montre Hardage is back, too. So there's some brand names on that defense who could play really well. So it should be a solid Northwestern team, uh, and it would just help them so much more if they could get uh, Clayton Thorson, Thorson back for the first game of the season.
0: Yep. I mean, uh, it's the schedule is brutal, as you mentioned. I mean, they're, they're playing, uh, playing a bunch of teams that, uh, you know, you would look at them and say, oh, well, Northwestern's probably not going to beat them, but then every year Northwestern seems to find a way to get uh, to get some wins you just don't expect. Uh, I mean, uh, I think Pat Fitzgerald is one of the best coaches in the country. Uh, I think he's really, really good, and Northwestern's very fortunate to have him. Uh, you know, the offense last year was not good. Uh, they only finished 82nd in S&P Plus, but uh, you know, they they flashed some potential scoring 39 against Michigan State and Minnesota, 42 against Illinois. Um, but still, for a team that won 10 games, their offense did not produce all that great. So, you know, how'd they do it? Uh, they won the turnover battle. Uh, they finished in the red zone. They held their opponents in the red zone uh, to field goals instead of touchdowns. Just like that, you go from seven wins to ten. Um, you know, they, they excel in close games and in those tight situations because uh, they consistently do that. It's not a fluke that they win a turnover battle. It's not a fluke that they execute in the red zone uh, on offense and defense. Uh, you know that, That's something that they have turned into their identity. Um, I know that Jackson, Justin Jackson, was a great player. I loved watching him. Uh, I happen to think that Larkin can, can be just as good as him. Uh, maybe not in the all purpose way, but just strictly running the ball. Uh, he's really good. Uh, they've added a couple of guys as well, really good recruits, Isaiah Bowser and Drake Anderson that um, I think improved the overall talent level of that running game. Uh, um, and from a pass game perspective, their receivers don't really stand out to you in terms of physical tools, but those guys catch the ball. I mean, they really catch the ball. Well, very few drops, uh, Solomon Vault's the guy they're going to look to get more out of than what they have in the past. They moved him uh, from running back to wide receiver. Kind of a similar thing uh, to what I think Indiana's hoping to get out of Mike Majet, a uh, guy that just didn't quite work at running back, but you know he has skills with the ball in his hand. So move the wide receivers this year and see what happens. Um, yeah. On defense, you know, Patty Fisher makes that uh, makes that defense work, and he's back and should be even better this year. Uh, It's a pretty good unit. The last year, I think, uh, overachieved in terms of where they finished in the rankings. Uh, They could very easily finish in the top 20, top top 25 again. Uh, I think this is, in my opinion, this is the second-best team in the West heading into the season, Uh, and that's based on how they looked at the end of last year. They have got to do a better job of starting well because if they don't start well, uh, I mean, you look at the rest of that schedule. Uh, if you do not go and win at Purdue, uh, and then beat Duke and Akron, uh, get those three wins. You know, you're looking at Michigan at Michigan State, Nebraska at home, at Rutgers, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. Then you close out at Iowa, at Minnesota, at Illinois. Uh, I know you expect to go and win at at Minnesota and at Illinois, but. Through that meat grinder and you're beat up and you find yourself at you know five or six wins only uh, it's going to be tough to get up for those games uh, especially heading on the road for those three final ones so uh, it's a very interesting season one the Northwestern could find themselves winning nine games again uh, and if Thorson is healthy why the heck not I mean that's what they do uh, but it could also be a season where things kind of bottom out and they, they get four or five wins and have to reset with Hunter Johnson at quarterback uh, the year after. So uh, it's a really interesting uh, team, but I, I think they're second best roster in the West right now.
1: Yeah, and, and they're playing a Big Ten East uh, like schedule. Let's stay in the state of yeah. Illinois. Uh, TJ quickly talking uh, about the fighting Illini. They're coming off a two win season. Uh, after a three-win season in 2016, my message to Illinois fans, and, and please explain to me uh, if I'm wrong, like, what are you doing? I mean, Lovie Smith looks like, I don't know, a homeless man. He had a great beard at Media Day, but he was, that was you awesome. know. It's
0: the best part of their program au-
1: right now. Awesome, awesome beard, but he, he was up there, and he, he sounded disinterested, um, he looks like the guy who's wandered the desert for 40 years um, and, and coming back. Uh, but, you know, what are you doing? Um, it, it doesn't seem like he's interested. They, they put money into facilities. Uh, they've recruited a little bit better, but two wins last year. At, at what point, at some point, you're going to have to cut bait with Lovey? And at what point does Lovey go, What the hell am I doing in, in Illinois? Um, and, and maybe. If they struggle again this year, he he, he leaves on his own. Who knows? Um, but their their schedule is they, they should be Kent State to open. They should be Western Illinois. They're playing a very tough USF team. And then they draw um, in that game, that soldier field in Chicago. Then they draw Penn State, Rutgers, and Maryland. Not the worst draw in the world out of the East. Um, but... Yeah, you know, you don't know those 50 those 50 games. You would think by now, year three of, of Lovey Smith's tenure, that Rutgers and Maryland and Minnesota and, and Purdue would be toss up games, but they're clearly not any. They're not yet. And, uh, you know, they, they Cameron Thomas is, Camp Thomas is going to be playing quarterback. You get Mikey Epstein back at, at running back. Somehow Mikey Dudek still has um, eligibility left. Uh, And I I root for that kid coming on. Just like Jay Sean Harris off of his knee injuries, I I will always root for Mikey Dudek because he's such a tough worker and a good player and stuff like that. If they stay healthy, they have some playmakers, but not enough to to really push for bowl contention um, or or even close to four wins. So, you know, Illinois fans, I always thought Illinois was a solid football fan base uh at my time at Indiana they 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 brought in Ron Zook they'd become really a really solid team uh going to to you know bowl games you know every so often um they went to the Rose Bowl but they were really tough out and you knew what you were getting in Illinois now it's kind of you know they're the the pushover in the league and, and things like that so you know, who knows what they're going to get. This could be, but the thing with bad teams is, you know, if you start going on one of these six, seven game losing streaks, you really get sucked in your upperclassmen, um, you know, have one foot out the door. They want the season to be over. And and your young guys are just not ready to step in yet. uh, The way their recruiting has been, but yeah, you know, last year they ended the year on a 10-game losing streak. They probably should have lost to Ball State. Uh, but Ball State blew that game and, and things like that. So, you know, they, they could get off to a hot start at 2-0 and, and maybe people talk up that USF game. But I, that's it's hard to, to say they'll win more than one conference game this year. And that conference, you know, they get Rutgers on the road and, and – Purdue at home, you know, where, where's that win coming from in conference? It's just, you know, I'd say they, they get one, but you know, if if you go two years in a row without a big 10 win, what do you do? Yep.
0: Yeah. I, 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 I won't spend much time in Illinois because we're getting fairly short on time, but, uh, you know, two things they have going for them. Number one, Lovey Smith did rely on youth last year, so it's not like they were playing a bunch of veterans uh, and losing as they did. Um, number two, after the offense, you know, was held to 14 points or fewer in half of their games, which, uh, I mean, a season high of 24 and 14 points or fewer in half your games is kind of mind-boggling in today's college football. uh they they turned over the offense from Garrick McGee uh to Rod Smith, who is a former Arizona staffer. Um former you ID know, staffer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He he's promising to bring an up tempo offense. He he's from uh you know, he's a kind of a Rich Rod guy that uh I think kind of fits their personnel a little bit, I guess, with uh, with mobility at the quarterback position and uh, some running backs you would hope can be a bit multi multidimensional um, and be up-tempo. That's kind of the, the, the promise that Rod Smith has. Uh, their receivers aren't awful. So I would expect an uptick in offense, uh, at least a little bit. But that's, you know, of course you're going to see that because it's hard to get much lower than where they were. Um, so there's at least that. But, I mean, you know what they – what is uh, often the case, when a change is made at, at the coordinator positions and it still doesn't work, uh, I mean, there's only one place to go after that and that's uh, yeah. the head coach. So, yeah, and they can't it, fire the players. It's not pretty hard to see this working, and to be honest, I mean, I'm not pretending to be special or Nostradamus or anything here, but... Uh, you know, because a lot of people called this, but this is one that we called back when the hire was made. Uh, It was a head-scratcher then, it's a head-scratcher now, and it's not hard to see why it's not working.
1: No, and he was supposed to be brought in to energize recruiting, especially in that Chicago area, and it just hasn't happened. All right, on to Nebraska, another team that struggled last year, brought in a new coach, Scott Frost. I, I don't know if this is the year they take off, uh, they went four and eight last year. They ended the year in a four game losing streak, losing six out of the last seven. Um, they, they, they could have lost seven in a row, uh, except for a one point win over Purdue. Uh, but they bring back, you know, you know, they have uh, a true freshman quarterback who's probably going to start in uh, Adrian Martinez. Uh, they just, I don't know if the talent is there after going through uh, Mike Riley and the end of the Bo uh, the Bo Polini era to really reload this year. Scott Frost is going to come over. I, I expect Scott Frost to have Nebraska back uh, to where Bo Pelini at least had them uh, a couple years ago, yeah. winning, winning nine games, threatening to win the West, and all all that stuff. I'm glad to see that they're playing Colorado. Bring back some of those Big Eight rivalries. That's a that's a that's just a rivalry that that screams college football. They have Akron at home, Colorado at home, Troy, who I believe one of us picked to, to upset them. Their crossovers are at Michigan, at Ohio State, and Michigan State. So you get no favors in your crossovers from the east. You have to go to Iowa. Uh, you have to go to Northwestern, and you have to go to Wisconsin. I think if they get to a bowl game this year, I think that's a success under year one uh, with Scott Frost yet yeah, setting expectations kind of low, but that schedule is, is, it's very difficult. Um, yeah. It's just, there's it, not a lot of sure wins. Yeah. You know, maybe Scott Frost takes that culture from South Florida, really builds it and you see them win eight games or seven games, but I think six, um, six is probably reasonable. And I don't think that's a bad year for Scott Frost either. You go back to bowl, you get those 15 practices, uh, you could start a new bowl streak uh, with with Nebraska and things like that. So that, that's where I see Nebraska.
0: I'd agree with that. I mean, I think Scott Frost was a perfect hire for Nebraska. It was the obvious one, but sometimes the obvious answer that's right in front of your face is the best one. Um, you know, it's one that, uh, everybody saw coming and, uh, it just wasn't going to work with Mike Riley. Um, I think that it is going to take a little bit of time, but I, I mean, I'm a Scott Ross fan, but even I have, uh, been a bit blown away by how much the national media has, uh, really anointed Nebraska as a program that is ready to take off, um, I understand the reasons why, but I mean, I heard on a Athlon podcast the other day that uh, the question was asked, "Will Nebraska be in the college football playoff within the next five years?" And they both, of the hosts, who I think are really good, both of them uh, said unequivocally, "Yes, they will be." I I don't know about that. I mean, I don't see that happening, but uh, I don't know. I guess we'll <laughs> we'll find out. As far as this year is concerned, I do think a bowl game, uh, six, six wins would be success. Um, it is a very difficult schedule. They, they don't have much experience, uh, no experience at the quarterback position. Tristan Gebbia and Adrian Martinez are battling out there. I think Martinez will win that battle with an eye toward the future. Um, he looks like a good fit uh, for Scott Frost's offense. He wants to return. Uh, you know, the power uh, smash melts running game to Nebraska uh, and mix it in with, uh, with some speed and tempo. Um, You know, his thought was kind of the physical teams are what beats us at Oregon when he was DOC there. uh, You know, the physical teams are what beats us. So if we can combine the speed of the Oregon attack with the power of the Nebraska attack and the power of the Nebraska program, uh, you know, we'd be great. And, yeah, that's true. If you can do that successfully, that's what they're going to go for. Uh, I think their receivers are really good. Um, uh, Stanley Morgan's a heck of a player. Tyson Lindsey, J.D. Spielner are both really good as freshmen. So the receivers are really good. The running backs. Uh, we'll see. I mean, prone for sure. Hopefully he can stay healthy. They brought in a Juco kid named Greg Bell that they have high hopes for. Uh, the defense is – really what needs to step up. They've been a sieve these past couple of seasons and they have to improve and restore some pride. I know that the black shirt monitor has kind of turned into a punchline. Uh, they need to, to get back to being a above average defense before they can worry about being elite. Uh, so that's, that's going to be the goal for them is lay that foundation for the future. Um, don't let that positive momentum cease to, uh, The parallels between IU basketball and Nebraska football have been drawn by many. Uh, I think the difference between the two is that Indiana still has a a homegrown natural base of talent at basketball that Nebraska has never had at football. Um, You can get some good players from there, but you cannot get, in my opinion, you cannot get the level of player that's going to consistently have you competing at the top of the Big Ten Scott Frost is going to be, how well can he recruit to Lincoln, uh, a place that's not easy to get to, how well can he recruit there uh, from a national base that uh, that can have Nebraska back at the level that their fans want them to be at? Uh, and that's, that's going to take time to answer, but I'd be quite surprised if Nebraska is not, uh, you know, at least the second-best program in the Big Ten fairly soon.
1: Yep, and, and we kind already
0: – Excuse me. West. The
1: West. Yeah, the West. Um, and, and who knows? It's it's a crapshoot once you get to the title game uh, because it's one game could win the uh, win the whole conference. And like, right. TJ, we quickly touched on Wisconsin. I don't want to go into we only have a, a minute or so left. I, they're the clear cut favorites. Uh, Their defense is going to be great again, led by T.J. Edwards. Their offense, led by Jonathan Taylor. Expect them to be in Indianapolis. Any final words?
0: Well, I think the question with Wisconsin is going to come down to, number one, are they good enough to get through their schedule to where if they win the Big Ten, that they have a shot for the college football playoff? I think the answer is yes. The second question is, are they going to be good enough to challenge the champion out of the East? I also think the answer to that question is yes. I think Wisconsin is a legitimate college football playoff contender.
1: I, I agree there. TJ,
0: thanks for joining me. It's been a
1: great show. We'll talk about the Big Ten East next week. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, come back to HoosierHuddle.com. We're day 33 on the countdown Tomorrow is, is day 32. We have something cool planned for Anthony Thompson uh, as well. So, TJ, enjoy the rest of your Monday. Uh, school has started on Wednesday at, at IPS, so football is right around the corner. I can't wait. I know you can't wait, and the rest of the Hoosier Huddle staff cannot wait to watch this season and bring you our thoughts on it. So, with that, TJ, enjoy, Monday, enjoy your Monday night and we're one day closer to college football.
0: Amen. Thanks, everybody.
1: All right, that does it for tonight's show. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, That was T.J. Inman. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Uh, Tune in next week as we break down the Big Ten East.